You're listening to the SHL Smart Teams Podcast, a show where we invite experts on people science to talk about how to build a future where businesses thrive because their people thrive. Hello, and welcome to SHL's podcast series. And this is all about future-proofing your organization. I'm Sarah McClellan, and I lead our European Professional Services team here at SHL. I'm also a business psychologist and fascinated around how we can use people science to improve our working lives and, and our organisations. So this series was really inspired by the last 18 months that we've all experienced it. Our lives, the way we work has turned upside down and it's created such a great opportunity to reinvent and reimagine some of the core fundamentals of the way we approach work, how we balance life and work, and really think about the things that we really want to achieve. So today, um, we're gonna start our podcast series uh, with a really big and fundamental topic, which is about how we design work. So what are some of the principles? What are some of the core underpinnings of the way we set up our organizations, the way we interact, the way we get stuff done? And I think in many ways, this is sparked by the, the concept of returning to offices, which many organisations are now facing. And so many of these issues, I think, are, are front of mind. So in this series, in this uh, episode even, today we're joined by Erin Krask, um, who is a colleague of mine at SHL. And Erin, it's great to have you joining me um, in this conversation. Do you want to say hello uh, to our listeners and give, you, give, give us all a bit of an understanding as to why this topic is something that you're really interested in? Yes. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me in this conversation with you today. I'm thrilled to be talking about this idea of organizational design and future-proofing the organization. I am, as you mentioned, one of your colleagues here at SHL, and I am a solutions architect here. And what that means is that I get to work with all of our clients to think about what kinds of challenges or what kinds of goals they have and how we can help figure out ways to, to meet those needs together. And I'm so interested in this topic of future-proofing your organization because my background is in industrial and organizational psychology. And for the past several years, I've worked both with consulting firms as well as inside enterprise-size organizations, particularly in healthcare, which is, I mean, talk about industries that were impacted significantly during the pandemic. Uh, and, And thinking a little bit about talent management and organizational development and how we do things like onboard people, how we really think differently and think about how we keep our core processes but change them for the future when we think about processes like onboarding, engaging people from a distance, what modern performance management might look like, how we develop leaders and create succession plans based on future competencies required or the context that somebody's operating in. And, and I've also done some work on the talent acquisition area. How do we attract and bring the right people in the door? And so uh, when I think about this topic, it's just really about what is the future of, of the workplace and how do we help business leaders think about what it's going to take to get from here to there in a world that's totally changed. What an interesting topic. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Erin. And I didn't know that about you, that you that you worked previously in the healthcare industry. So maybe we can unpack some of that a, a little bit more. But as you say, I think uh, this presents such great opportunity across so many different areas. And in many ways, it's probably hard to pick where to start, you know, where to where to prioritise. So I'm going to start by asking you a, a question that's that's quite broad and actually a little bit tough in in that sense. Um, but if you could really think about some of the things that um, you know you see as priorities given the opportunity that that we have ahead. So Erin, if you could start with a blank page, as we sort of can right now, and design an organisation from scratch, where would you start and and why? Absolutely. So if I was inside a boardroom sitting with my executive team, I would start with a blank whiteboard in front of me. And I don't know, maybe some organizations would have much more technologically advanced whiteboards than I'm picturing with a marker in my hand. But I would start with that and I would create four columns. And those columns would be strategy. So thinking about what are our goals, structure, and that is how do we want to work? What departments we have? How do we work together? Processes, how we do things, how we measure impact, and people. So what talent do we need to meet our goals? What skills do those people have and how do they work? And those four columns, strategy, structure, processes, and people, those in my mind are the four key elements of an organization that have to come together and work seamlessly in order for an organization to be able to execute successfully and meet goals and look forward um, and, and really run itself. And during the pandemic, one of the most interesting things is that we've got, Sarah, like you mentioned, this opportunity to kind of erase all the content we've had in all four of those columns and maybe not all of it, but we have this opportunity to erase those things that have previously existed and say, mm -hmm. how might we, and it's how might we build a strategy where we can frame our outcomes in terms of who do we want to be, how will we operate, and how will we grow as a whole? So how do we reframe towards the future? How do we think about our structure as more agile, more problem-solving focused, moving faster how do we start experimenting with organizational structures like a helix model or um, a networking of teams or matrix management i was actually in a matrix environment previously and there are really interesting things that one can do in that environment in, in terms of processes i really love thinking about the future and thinking about how do we focus on qualitative and quantitative data and bring those two things together to tell stories that help drive vision along with business impact. And how do we create simple storytelling dashboards that anyone in an organization can look at and say, how are we doing in terms of our big picture goals and how do I plug into that? And finally, how do we create that framework where um, work facilitates life and life facilitates work and and there are messy boundaries between them but how do we create that in that symbiotic environment for people to be able to opt in and give their whole and um, and really want to be with us as an organization and that's an exciting prospect and so those are the four areas where I would start if I had that blank page thank you yeah and I like I like that that last point in particular the 
the symbiotic environment, the, the balancing of, of work and life, or the, the intermingling, the interweaving of, of those two components that we've felt to, to such an extreme. And so I'm wondering, Erin, given those areas that, that you've outlined, is there something, are there some elements that you would definitely want to include in that new organisation if, you know, if we're starting from scratch? Um, and are there any examples that you can help share that, that would bring those, those particular components to life? Perhaps more in relation to that piece that you talked about, you know, the need to find that, that relationship that nicely balances our work and, and our lives. Yes. So when I think about what I would definitely include and why, the first thing that comes to my mind is intentional culture. And when I think about intentional culture, culture is this umbrella that sits over the whole picture of strategy, structure, process, and people. And it sets our behavioral norms. We can set our organizational values as the system of behaviors which we all should be opting into to get work done, the way people behave within their structure when completing their processes to achieve their strategy, if you will. And and so that intentional culture piece really, I think, drives who an organization is from an identity perspective. And, um, And when I think about intentional culture, sometimes we can worry about cultures becoming exclusive. Um, and, and when I think about building an intentional culture, especially thinking about the future-focused organization, some of the things that pop into my mind are about uh, how do we create cultures of belonging and inclusion where we're welcoming both work, um, our task functions, um, and things like affinity groups into the same environment and facilitating relationship building amongst diverse sets of colleagues to be able to build networks and create personal connection. And so... That sounds like a lot, but when I think about my experience working in healthcare, for example, at a huge healthcare organization, there were opportunities for folks to opt in to um, all sorts of different kinds of groups that were really employee-driven, but facilitated and supported by the organization, whether it was parenting or young professionals or um, social justice, all sorts of different kinds of interests. There was a running club, which was my personal passion. And um, and so we all had the opportunity to join these kinds of um, groups that maybe they were virtual, maybe they were in person. And we could get together and we could um, opt into the culture and the environment of our workplace uh, in a tangential way. So I was meeting people that, you know, I was in organization development and I was meeting some people and spending time with them more casually that were also some of my biggest stakeholders, like leaders in the business that I was working with. And that was both a meaningful connection for me because I was participating in a group with people who had some similar interests to me that I opted into, supported by the organization, but it was also meaningful for me as a professional because I got to to spend time and network with people who I knew I needed to build trust and credibility with to get work done. And there are just really interesting ways that organizations can embrace those kinds of, that's just one example of a way to Mm -hmm. embrace intentional culture. Um, And there are several other things I would include, but if I had to boil it down, uh, I would say intentional culture would be the place that I would start. Yeah, fascinating. And I actually, I've never heard that phrase before, intentional culture. Um, and I think there's a lot to, lot to like about it. One of the things that's just running through my mind, actually, is 
then how do organisations, you know, so if you intentionally want to build a culture and, and as you say, facilitate and enable connection and, and meaning and feelings of, of belonging um, through creating groups, through creating different ways to interact. I'm wondering, Erin, Erin, if there are examples that you've seen or advice that you could share around how then we how then we balance that with the other elements that you shared around your, you know, the four things that you said you'd have on the whiteboard. So strategy, structure, processes, people. So how does culture then permeate all of those aspects? Because I guess one of the things that, that we often encounter is that feeling that that's distinct, that it's separate, but yet we need it to be connected if people are genuinely going to feel these things um, and for it to be it to be real so I'm just wondering and just sort of reflecting on the other things that you've shared so far are there things that we could do differently to to try and bring that to life um, across those other aspects that you shared yes absolutely and uh, when I think about culture it in organizations who do this really well they're weaving that culture and then I'm using that word intentional obviously with intent because it is something that we have to opt into and 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 make decisions based on culture in this way so it weaves into each one of those strategy structure processes and people so culture weaves into strategy by saying does is is what we're doing is it consistent with the culture we're trying to propagate are we um, achieving our strategy by engaging in the kind of or opting into the kind of values and the kind of um, organization we want to be. Are we meeting some sort of, and and not every organization is going to have a mission like save the world, improve our community. Different organizations Mm -hmm. will have different priorities, but we will also have the opportunity to say, is our strategy consistent with who we said we want to be, how we said we would operate, and who we say we are as a whole? Um, is our culture facilitating the way we work and are we holding people accountable to our culture so think about succession planning and sometimes often in organizations and, and this was something I've heard when I've worked both with clients in a succession planning capacity and when I was internal that there are some people who are so good at what they do and and I'm thinking particularly about people with really specialized backgrounds. You get that in medicine, really specialized backgrounds. You might get in technology, even in areas like construction, where there's a specialized skill set and those people can be hard to find. And so we excuse really unacceptable behavior or maybe they don't operate within the culture because we know that their skills can help us grow and succeed. And, and it's that willingness to take the big picture approach and say, is this one person um, is is that are we willing to sacrifice that culture for that because people notice that if there are exceptions to the rule um, and with processes are we operating in ways that help us break down those silos do we have a set of behavioral norms that help us facilitate working together in a supportive way and a lot of that has to do with a fantastic topic that we don't even have time to jump into today but it's about psychological safety is it safe for me to raise my hand and say I don't think that or I think something might be broken here or I don't understand where you're coming from or can you help me understand why we're doing things this way do we have a safe environment for that Um, and then of course with people it's kind of building that normative 
Uh, it's building those values and that culture into all of our human resource processes and our performance and our onboarding and our you know, evaluations and our goals. And, and those are the ways that I would weave that intentional culture into each of those things. Mm, yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And perhaps actually then, you know, in, in, in some ways, the order within which we approach this could change in, in that you might think, well, let's start, let's start with people and let's start with culture. And, and then that becomes the centre as to how we then link uh, to structure, to processes, to, to our strategy. And I also like um, what you shared there, Erin, really around alignment. So I think, I mean, I'm sure many of us um, have felt this, that when you feel that dissonance, if you feel there is a misalignment between the culture that that we want or that we're that we're advocating and what is happening in in reality so a great opportunity for us as individuals and in 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 within organizations in the roles that we hold to really think about as you say how we how we reset and re-establish some of those behavioral norms and really role model um, and embed them um, from the outset and just um, conscious of our time together as well, Erin, I'm wondering um, if there's something that you would love to leave behind. So if there's kind of one, one thing that you'd say, given this chance that we have to draw a line, to start again, what would you love us to, to put in the, in the rearview mirror? Yes, there, I know you said one, and I just have to mention two briefly. <laughs> I can't help myself. And one is subjective processes. So it's leaving behind succession planning based on manager ratings of future capability, including more data in um, supported by qualitative stories. So that could be an onboarding performance management or how we succeeded and why we succeeded. And then so that's subjective processes. So let's use more objective processes and storytelling. And second thing is pride and busyness. So that I just so much more of a focus on productivity and less on um, on how busy we are. We walk around and we say, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. And people are like, oh my gosh, you must be so important. And there are just no correlation between the two. And, um, and so pride and busyness is something that I wish we could, as a whole society, leave behind. Yeah, I love that. Actually, that's something I've reflected on personally recently um, in the, you know, I can hear myself sometimes saying, you know, I'm in back-to-back meetings. I can't possibly deal with this. Um, or I can't possibly join that as well. And, and actually, the, yeah, coming back to culture as well, I think culture plays a key role in that. In what are we valuing? Um, do, where are we spending our time? What, what are we measuring? Is it the input? Is it the output? Is it the time that we spend together as a group of people? Um, so yeah, that, that completely um, res- resonates with me as well. So thank you, Erin, for joining. Thank you for sharing some great insights and, and thoughts. Um, I think there's a, there's a few things that are really standing out for me. And I'm just thinking if, if you are somebody working in HR, make, working in um, IO psychology or, or a leader, standing there or sitting there and thinking I've got this opportunity where where should I start um, and I think there's some great thoughts there that will help hopefully enable you to to feel equipped to to start that conversation something standing out for me I think is kind of going back to the start of our chat Erin which is around actually maybe it is simply about reordering some of the things that we're considering um, and given what we've been exposed to 
um, as individuals, as organisations, really starting with people, starting with us as humans um, and building our, our organisations from, from there. And also I think, Erin, you talked quite a bit really around trust uh, at the heart of, um, you know, under the layers of lots of the things that we see, lots of the things that we engage in, how we measure um, what we're achieving, what we're doing, um, actually trust, and, and you mentioned the term psychological safety. So how can we build trust? How can we make people feel safe? How can we um, really think about our intentional culture, as you said, that, that, that we're building, um, and perhaps turning that order of things on its head? So really starting genuinely with our people, the longer term goals that, that we have, the vision that we have, the role that we have to play um, as individuals within organisations, but also within our communities and, and broader society. Um, and, all, and then not being um, daunted by that, because it starts with, with, with a few steps in the right direction, and, and we'll then see that um, that waterfall of, of change start to start to happen. Um, so great conversation, and um, thank you, Erin, uh, for for joining me. Um, and I think we've just touched the touched the tip of the the iceberg here, but um, uh, hopefully, as I say, it's, it's given you some food for thought. Um, I want to point you all towards our white paper where you can get more depth uh, in some thoughts and some ideas, uh, which is now available on our website, shl.com. Thank you all for listening and please do uh, tune in next time where we'll continue our series really thinking about how we can future-proof the organisations that we work with. Thank you. Thanks, Erin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the SHL Smart Teams podcast. To learn more about how SHL helps companies leverage their greatest asset, their people, please visit shl.com.